and welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, your home for movie news, reviews, and movie fan views. This is the podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunleavy, joined, as always, by my co-host, Rob Dunham. Got the silver and black today. It's very pretty. Yeah, Sporting KC. Like yeah. It. yeah, that's that's a good color for them. That's not a that's not a normal one. I like I like one time I wore this jersey and it says Ivy Funds on it, and I, I don't remember where it was, but some lady comes up to me and is like, "I know Ivy Funds." And I'm like, <laughs> not anything to do with why I'm wearing the shirt, but okay. <laughs> also, <laughs> all right. Well, we have a fantastic show in store for you. We're going to talk about the box office. Uh, We'll talk about Suicide Squad, what's coming up this week. We're going to have a discussion about sequel movies that should never have been made, which should probably be pretty interesting. And we will talk about our watch list, and we'll give you a little bit more in-depth review of Jungle Cruise now that both of us have seen it. So, Rob, you ready to get started? I am. All right. Well, let's begin with last week's box office. Suicide Squad takes the number one spot at the box office. Not terribly surprising. However, the number itself did not meet expectations. Uh, It was a little bit below uh, anticipated opening. So the, the film debuted number one at 26.5 million industry expectations were around 30 million now this movie cost 185 million to produce now that doesn't mean between international and all this other stuff that it won't eventually you know make money but it did not do what was anticipated um some of it some people are calling it a disaster some people are trying to blame the entire movie industry i think this is a little bit more of a local phenomenon in terms of related to this particular movie um rob what do you make of the not fantastic uh results for suicide squad Well, I do think that part of it has to be, like you said, related to this particular movie because it's um, like remake five years after the original. Yes. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's been five years. I don't know. It's it's not long. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think a lot of people are hesitant to like invest their money in going to see it because they have memories of the last one. And if the last one wasn't something they liked, then why would they? go see a new version of it. I I think that having James Gunn involved, like obviously intrigues a lot of people, but it's not gonna like move the needle for probably a whole bunch of people who saw it in the first one and weren't impressed by it. So I, I don't really think that's part of it. Um, I think uh, the fact that this was on HBO Max, correct? It was same yeah, day the release. Fact that this is on HBO Max. I think hurts it a little bit compared to Disney Plus because HBO just has all their movies as part of the subscription, so it's not getting that extra thirty dollar per uh, rental thing that Disney Plus was getting for Black Widow, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, which makes it a little harder, I guess, to calculate how many people are actually getting HBO Max to watch this movie and that's going to impact the numbers too. So 
I, I, that's one thing I'm really interested in. How do they figure out and tally those things since the models are vastly different between Disney and Warner? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think for me, it's definitely related to this movie in particular and combined with the HBO model. Um, like you're saying there's already trepidation about the fact that it's another Suicide Squad movie. Uh, the last Harley Quinn movie didn't do real well, even though it got some okay, some decent to okay reviews. Uh, I remember we watched it. It was better than I thought it was going to be, but eh. Um, so there wasn't there wasn't necessarily a giant hype for for that. Um, and if Harley Quinn is not your star, you don't have a lot else. If she's not a draw for that, I mean, Idris Elba is a great actor, but you're not getting a ton of, like, he's not necessarily like destination theater. And so you combine that with some not particularly fantastic reviews coming out ahead of time about it with the fact that anyone with an HBO subscription can watch it without going to the theaters. I think those, those factors combine to, to kill the numbers for the box office. I think it still would have done reasonably well had it just been a solo theater release, a la F9, which is one of the reasons F9 made $70 million in its opening weekend. Um, if, if people have to choose between seeing a movie and not seeing a movie, you know, going to the theaters and seeing a movie or not seeing it, they'll go. I think probably people would have gone. Uh, if you give them a choice between going to the theater to see a movie they're eh about and just watching it on HBO Max where they probably already have a subscription, I think you're seeing the results of that. So I think the combination of the not particularly overwhelming buzz for this movie with the ease of access outside the theater really hurt it. Yeah, I don't think it's super surprising, to be honest. And I think it's not a great sign for how it will do long term because we've seen almost every movie that's been top the week it comes out is like a 60% drop the next week. Yeah. Because people just aren't, the word of mouth thing is not working with the way the model is right now. Yeah. It appears. The, the streaming model is killing the long-term theater run at, at this point. I think it's pretty clear that that's, that that's happening. Um, people who want to go see it initially in theaters, go see it. And then, then there's a real drop off. So, uh, I think I think we're starting to see that that perhaps some of the biggest the biggest of all movies can make it, even if they're you know uh, chasing some pennies for dollars. Um, with the streaming model, some of the big movies can still make it. The medium to small ones are are being hurt by it. So, uh, I don't know. We'll see what Suicide Squad does uh, in the long run, but uh, there it is. I do, however, anticipate a new number one movie this coming week, as we're going to now switch to what's coming in the box office this week. So, the three main movies coming out this particular week are, of course, Free Guy, starring Ryan Reynolds, you have a horror sequel in Don't Breathe 2 and the biopic Respect coming out. Uh, obviously, we've talked about Free Guy on uh, several occasions on the podcast. And 
that is highly anticipated. So Ryan Reynolds plays a uh, non-player character in a video game and finds out there's a real world out there and he's interacting with it and it looks funny and interesting and engaging. Uh, Respect uh, follows the rise of Aretha Franklin's career from child singing in her father's church choir to international stardom. So that one is an Aretha Franklin biopic. And um, Don't Breathe 2 is a follow-up, obviously, to Don't Breathe, uh, which is a movie about a home invasion and all the terror that ensues. Uh, So, Rob, I'm assuming Free Guy is your top. So give me give me your thoughts. Give me your thoughts on the other two. Um, Do any of the either of the other two intrigue you at all? Uh, I would say that um, respect I'm interested in just because I like the history of music and be cool to see uh, some of the storytelling involved that I know that I've liked similar movies. Um, Think of like Cadillac Records and Dream Girls. Mm. Both of the movies that I thought were pretty decent. So that seems like it's probably in the same kind of mold mm-hmm. as those. So I'm sure I will watch it at some point. I'm just not sure if I will uh, like watch it in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as Don't Breathe 2 goes, I would probably only watch that if my sister watched it with me because she really likes horror movies. Mm. And uh, my wife does not. So <laughs> I don't really like go to horror movies by myself because mm-hmm. I don't really see that as a good time. <laughs> I hear. <laughs> See, we're both running up against our uh, our proclivity to not particularly care for the horror genre. Yeah. On this one, yeah, yeah. So I would agree. I mean, I think Respect has the chance to be very good. Aretha Franklin is obviously a extremely well known and interesting character. Um, probably time they gave her a biopic. So hopefully, it's good. Um, now, let's talk a little bit about Free Guy. What is something you are most looking forward to about Free Guy? I really just want to see the creativity of the different things they throw at Ryan Reynolds' character. Yeah. Because it's, fun, it's funny with a trailer like a movie like that where it's loaded with special effects. And I think like Black Widow is kind of the same and some other movies. Um, you see like less than two minutes of the entire movie in the trailer yeah somehow you're like oh i've seen it all mm-hmm. that's why i like to go see a movie like this in the theater because there's still like a hundred minutes of stuff you haven't seen <laughs> <laughs> so i'm really interested in seeing uh, i believe i want to look today because i was considering going to see it i think it said it was an hour and 55 minutes long okay. so there's there's a, a lot in there a lot of potential so I'm really interested in seeing like what kind of video game uh, tropes they use and if they're effective and if they're funny and if they pull it off because I think it's an ambitious idea. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. I think for me, the most intriguing part about it is can they pull off a compelling digital world? I think one of the things if, there's there have been some great and classic movies that have taken the world of video games and translated them into something that's that's eminently watchable and amazing. I mean, you think going way back, you have the original Tron. The original Tron made history as as kind of like the getting inside the digital space in the video games. For me, I always loved Tron Legacy because it really felt like it delivered on the digital world. Uh, 
And we are absolutely not talking about you, the Doom movie series. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So when it's done well, it's done really, really well, and it's really compelling. And as you just alluded to, there are times when it is not done well, and it is not compelling, and it is not interesting. Also looking at you, Mortal Kombat. Mm -hmm. Yep. It hasn't always been done well, but the, I mean, there's slightly different and then Mortal Kombat wasn't trying necessarily to be a video game mm-hmm. in the movie. It was just a movie about a video game. So it could, it has the potential. That's, that's what I'm intrigued on. Can it deliver on the potential of giving you kind of the modern day video game experience uh, and placing you inside the video game like it potentially could? Yeah. All right. Well, that's what's coming out in theaters this week. And if you haven't had a chance to see, there's a number of movies out. So there's plenty to choose from at the moment, which is fantastic. Uh, So make sure you head out to theaters and go see Free Guy or any of the ones that you have missed. Respect. And don't breathe too. Go for that. Okay. So now we have to move on to our discussion section. So to begin the discussion section, um, I'm going to reference an article about something I'm not particularly happy about. And that will lead us right into our topic for the evening. Disney Plus is getting a brand new Home Alone movie this year. Because we're not allowed to have nice things. (laughs) yes this was coming out november 12th they're trying to ramp it up like this is going to be amazing it's going to star ellie kemper rob delaney archie yates uh keenan thompson's going to be in there to say that i am skeptical is an understatement i mean we've already seen what it looks like to run out these terrible sequels to home alone I, what was it? I, what'd they end up doing? Like three other ones? That yeah, were, Macaulay like, Culkin isn't door. walking through that door. Yeah, Macaulay Culkin is not rocking through that door. Um, I didn't check to see, but probably John Williams is not scoring this one. Yeah. <laughs> the likelihood of, of this being anything other than straight garbage, <laughs> I think is low, is extremely low. I would wager that this has a 95% chance to suck. I, I just don't see, I just don't see how, especially well, when that Home Alone yeah. should have stopped after Home Alone 2, then yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've seen what this looks like. Yeah. <laughs> we've seen, and it's not good. It's not good. Uh, besides the fact that Home Alone was one of those, I mean, it's a period piece. It really is because and the modern era of cell phones and, and those sorts of things, a lot of that, a lot of that goes completely by the wayside. Um, so it has, it has a time bound thing and it's just such a classic. I don't know how you do this in a way that actually works. What, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree hundred percent. Like I said, home alone should have stopped after two. Yeah. Oh, man. That did get us a good John Mulaney joke. So, you know, I'm pretty happy about that. But other than that, it's uh, (laughs) not worthwhile. (laughs) 
Yeah, there's just some wells you shouldn't drink out of. And, you know, once that's a deep subject. Yeah. (laughs) Gosh. (laughs) It only took you, what, 10, 10, 15 minutes to get the first one of those in this time. Speaking of which, when we get to it, that was the best part of Jungle Cruise. (laughs) 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 Playing Johnson's lines. (laughs) I got fired from the orange juice factory. Couldn't concentrate. Uh, spoiler alert on Jungle Cruise. (laughs) But there are some times where going back for multiple courses in a meal just enhances the meal. And there and there are sometimes like the donut rule. Okay. One donut is fantastic. The more you push it on donuts, once you get past one donut, the law of diminishing returns hits hard. Unless you're Homer Simpson. Unless you're Homer Simpson. All right. So now what we need to do as we line this up for our discussion is we need to pick out the ones that should have been donuts when they attempted to go for the buffet. Which movies are sequels that should never have been made? That's our discussion item for today. Sequels that should never have been made. We've seen some trilogies and and multiple ones that have have lasted and done really, really well, and some that have not. Let's talk about the ones that have not. You got a few for us, Rob? I think you know what my first answer is because... (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's get right to it. The only thing I ever talked about, so... Give us one. Indiana Jones and the Crystal Alien, what, I don't know what is going on (laughs) in Mexico for some reason. Yeah, that movie... Uh Should should not have been made. <laughs> it makes me yeah. sad every time I think about its existence. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, I will say that maybe, I guess this could be controversial because in some ways you needed the movies to be made to complete the trilogy. In other ways, I think there are parts of the movies that don't like enhance what's going on with the trilogy and that would be the last two matrix movies i wondered if you were going to go there yeah if you were going to go there. revolutions and reloaded which one is first i don't remember uh, reloaded is number two okay. Revolutions okay. is number three. i think there there are good parts of both those movies but i don't think either of them live up to the first one and i think there are parts of both that detract from the overall story that they were trying to tell that they started with the first one mm-hmm. and i don't believe they they made the first one with did they make the first one with the intention of making more than one because i don't i feel like they did okay i'm not i don't remember the exact timeline on that yeah um but i feel like they, they there was intention for there to be multiples but i'm not sure um, yeah, it just seemed like some of the some of the storytelling in the second and third one makes me wonder if they had like a cohesive plan in place to make it all come together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I look, for that one, I just want to comment on that one real quick. Um, for me, I've never like it's clear the second and third movies are not as good. I mean, there is a downslope at first movie, second movie, third movie. Um, I think where they went wrong is the scenes outside of the matrix 
in the final two movies really like the whole Zion concept was not well developed and was not particularly appealing concept. Mm-hmm. And especially when you get into the third movie where so much of it features Zion and features the real world, like it really, I think that was where they went wrong. Um, the matrix stuff I thought was still good. And I thought some of the action, especially in reloaded, I really enjoyed. Um, but I, I felt like, I still feel like the first one is not a complete story and needed the other two. So I'm, I'm a little on that side. Okay. Hit a, hit us up with them. Uh, I think also the, uh, and again, this is another one where they were kind of necessary, especially given the fact that the books exist, but I'm not talking about Jurassic world, but the sequels to Jurassic park Mm. were in much the same way, not, equal to the original Jurassic Park. Yeah. And they kind of had to go there because Lost World is its own book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand why they had to do that because of the success of the first one. And they were successful. Like, they made money. So people went and saw them. And uh, it wasn't a complete failure. But taking away some of the characters at different points, like, it just it seemed like they were maybe going back to the well too much but like i said i understand that they were made on existing literature so it's not it's not like you can be like oh they made up this story and it was terrible like they just took Crichton's books and made more movies so i can't really blame them too much for it <laughs> yeah uh, when it was making money mm-hmm. yeah and i think part of this discussion is does it I think I had it formulated clear in my mind a second ago, but like it does, if a second movie is not as good as its fantastic first movie, does that automatically detract from the first movie or can the first movie still stand on its own? Even when, if the second one is not as great, because I think there is a difference between, Hey, we made a masterpiece and now we just made a good movie versus we made a great movie and now we made a terrible follow-up yeah you know what i'm saying so, um, i also like to throw out rocky five <laughs> uh-huh you rocky four is is my uh, in my opinion the best one mm. so to, that makes it even worse that the fifth one was terrible yeah the fifth one was pretty bad <laughs> <laughs> you true. could argue about how good each one is but um, to me, Rocky Four is just like the the pinnacle of Cold War mm-hmm. sporting movie. Yeah, and like it's just it's it's an archetype for me. Like I think the first Rocky is one, just because of it telling that underdog story, and I think the fourth one is one because it's that geopolitical conflict with sport, and I don't think any movie has done it better. So yeah. when you have two movies in the series that are like these massive capstones and then you have a capstone in uh, rocky five <laughs> it's uh-huh. it's kind of hard to look over i like um i think it was bill simmons he's a sports writer and he hates rocky five as well and he'd always be like i want to go to the store and ask for the box out of rocky one through four and you can throw five in the garbage <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah what's what's fascinating is they really have made uh, along that series, they have made seven movies 
and six of them are very are pretty are decent to very good yeah it's just fascinating that one was just straight trash yeah yeah mm-hmm. all right what do you got all right so i'm gonna start with dumb and dumber er <laughs> when harry met lloyd 2003 somehow they decided hey let's throw nobody actors into a sequel to one of the greatest comedies of all time, make them younger and then make the entire thing stupid. (laughs) It's like they didn't understand the comedic genius and thought, Oh yeah, we can just replicate this with two other random dudes and a terrible script. Yeah. Let's do that. We'll throw it out there and name recognition. This is to me, one of the definitions of a sequel that should never have been made. And, you know, we can say what we want about the one, the second one that came out with um, Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels, but there's no doubt about it. When Dumb and Dumber, when Harry met Lloyd uh, should never have been made. I'm fortunate enough to say I have never seen it. Yeah. You're not missing out, man. (laughs) it, It was terrible. Um, second up on my list are two sequels by Sandra Bullock where she should have known better <laughs> Speed 2 Miss Congeniality 2 <laughs> my wife's going to fight you on the second one <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's sometimes where a premise is a one-off premise and putting someone in the exact same thing in the exact same premise again is tiresome and ridiculous and cliche. And both of these movies qualified. The originals were excellent. Speed was great. Miss Congeniality was great. This is one, this is a donut one. Once was good. You start going back to that well, diminishing returns really, really fast. Uh, In particular, like the character, the character arc in Miss Congeniality 2 just was, I just didn't like it at all. And I just thought that was one. Miss Congeniality was probably better than Speed 2. But either way. Yeah, when when you're hyper-focused on like a specific setting or area or idea, it's really hard to be clever with it Mm -hmm. multiple times. Yeah. Yeah, you run out of creativity real fast and you end up just, it ends up being, whether intentional or not, it ends up being lazy. Because you end up having to go back to the well, use the same jokes, use the same premises, uh, the same cliches. And it, it just becomes, it becomes, it lacks art. It lacks the art that that is a good film whenever you're doing that. How do you feel uh, the Pitch Perfect movies? Because I think that's one series that might have pulled that off. Um, I haven't seen all of them. I, I'm pretty sure I've seen the first two. And I th- I thought the first two were pretty good, if I remember correctly. I think the first two is pretty were pretty good. Um, I think it worked reasonably well, at least initially. It's for uh, for the Mighty Ducks, Home Alone, mm-hmm. or Mighty Ducks and Mighty Ducks. Yeah. Um, I, I only vaguely remember three. It's been way too long since I've seen three. Yeah. Um, I had the first two memorized as a kid. I think almost everyone, at least that I know, thinks um, D2 is probably a better movie. It's a really like, good movie. Like The Mighty Ducks is classic, but I, I think Mighty Ducks 2 is a better movie overall. Um, I think some other ones that would fit in that cat, in my opinion, 
The Empire Strikes Back is the best Star Wars movie, so that makes it better than uh, New Hope, which was the first one. So it it can be done. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. think the the original Indiana Jones trilogy. You could argue that mm-hmm. um, the sequels are better than the first one. I think. I would I would say three is better than one. I think two is the worst in my opinion. Mm. We discussed that. We discussed that a yeah. while ago. <laughs> um, so I got I got uh, I got one more. I got one more for you here. Independence Day resurgence. <laughs> Seriously, Independence Day. Like you don't need another one. You don't need another one. You don't. But we need more independence. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just like the the depths they had to go to 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 scrape a razor thin plot out of that one. Just it didn't work. It didn't work. And most of these movies, to me, the existence of these does not detract from the originals. I'm I'm not one who, well, now that I've seen this and hate this, I'm now gonna lessen the other ones. But mostly they just get they just get thrown into the to the memory hole and you just kind of pretend they don't exist and move on throughout your day. It's like, <laughs> I know that Hollywood is, uh, you know, we'll scramble for whatever buck we can. Um, but sometimes they have to realize that they're making artwork here. Mm-hmm. That there is a goal. There's an artistic goal here. And you need to keep that in mind when you, when you're going trying to run the risk of potentially damaging products. All right. You got anything else on that? No, I think I said my piece. Okay. All right. So let's move on to our watch list. These are movies that we have watched over the past week and we'll give you a brief synopsis and we'll have a brief discussion on them. Rob, you want to start? Yeah. So I went and saw a movie in the theater actually for the first time in the month, I think. It's been ridiculously busy. And uh, today I watched Jungle Cruise with my family and I thought, it was very good i would say above average and it was a movie that i think everyone in my family even down to my six-year-old boy liked so that was pretty cool mm-hmm. um i really like i i like dwayne johnson a lot i think he's very talented and i think he did a, a phenomenal job in the movie it's funny the writing was funny um it was engaging the storyline was engaging i like how they um, held off like explaining who everyone was for a decent part of the movie and added some intrigue to it. Um, uh, the setting was really good as well. I just thought overall it was a really good movie. So I know you had said that you thought some of the mystical elements were a bit out there perhaps, but I, I thought that they, you know, they made them look at least believable. So <laughs> I didn't have too much of an issue with it. Let's uh, let's get into a. We'll give a spoiler warning here because I want to get your opinion on a couple of the uh, yeah. a couple of things specifically. So this is spoiler warning. We are going to give details of Jungle Cruise at this point. If you wish to avoid them, you can skip ahead to the next topic. Uh, there is a key below you in the video description that'll tell you how far you need to go. All right. So there's your spoiler warning. The thing that bothered me most is. The adversaries and their like the bee guy and the mm-hmm. snake guy and this, it just it was so out there and it was so 
it just, it, it was a detractor for me. It was like, I, I mentioned that it reminded me quite a bit of pirates, dead man's chest. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't like dead man's chest because of it. Like the Barnacle yeah. people. Yeah. And that, that plot line just, I, it sucked it out of me a little bit. And it was, it was my main thing. Like I didn't have a problem with the, Hey, we're going to find this particular plant or that, you know, there are some of that stuff, but I just think like the, the, we turn into barnacle people, you know, version Mm 2.0 was just too much. It was too far for me on that. So that, that to me, just, I mean, it took him down from being like an A to like a B or a B plus for me. So I'm not, I'm not hating on the movie and don't think it was awful by any stretch. Cause you're right. Dwayne, Dwayne Johnson was excellent. I enjoyed Emily Blunt. I thought the, uh, I thought they did some excellent character development and some good writing and some of the action was fun and interesting. Um, but that was just a little too much for me. Uh, I love the line when the one guy was like, I'm disgusting. And the other guy was like, speak for yourself. I'm delicious. Cause he like, his curse was that he had bees and he's like made out of honey. Yeah, that was, I would give it to that. That was, that was a pretty funny line. I, I thought, I, I guess I didn't have as much of a problem with it because I think visually they made it look compelling. Like it was actually happening. Like it didn't seem hokey. Um, I guess you could argue whether or not it was necessary. Uh, I'm not sure how else you would show that they would like being devoured by the Amazon around them. I thought that was an interesting way to do it. So yeah, it's, it's hard to say. Um, One thing I'm really interested in looking at since I have not been on the actual ride before is to see how many elements of the ride are in the movie, because that's one thing that was really intriguing to me about Pirates of the Caribbean. For one, for one thing, I was told that there's a lot of the bad, there's bad jokes Mm-hmm. Or on the ride, mm. I'm told that, that so that I think that was an element that carried over, that they carried over for sure. Whether the uh, the the bad dad jokes, yeah, or, which I thought were great. I love when the little girl was like, "Mommy, can you please stop?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or how he kind of had. Uh, I enjoyed how he kind of had his little setup there at the beginning of the movie, where he had all the. He had very ride esque people coming along the side yeah. of the river and doing things. I, I thought that was a, that was a, a fun tie in to the fact that it was originally a ride. Yeah, I like how they developed it. I think, like Pirates of the Caribbean, they did a good job of fleshing out um, something mm-hmm. and making it into a whole movie with compelling storyline. So, I would recommend going to see it. Mm-hmm. Jungle Cruise. Yeah. Um, I also, excuse me. Uh, the other movie I watched this week was Wish Dragon on Netflix, which is an animated uh, movie, I believe, from a Chinese studio. It's a Oriental studio. I think it's Chinese. I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, then I feel real dumb. Uh, but it is um, in re- it is redubbed in English on Netflix. You can also, I believe, you can watch it in Chinese. And it was a pretty neat little story about um, a dragon who grants wishes and uh definitely a kid's movie a lot of bright colors a lot of energy um some very funny things some 
funnier things for adults and kids. Typical animated movie. Um, but it tells a good story about a guy and a girl who were friends when they were kids. And uh, one of them became famous and the other one lost touch with them and they get back in touch and um, also tells a story of the boy's interaction with the dragon who he meets and how he helps him. So uh, it reminded me a lot of like Aladdin. Hmm. Uh, a lot of the same themes are involved, like the dragon even going so far as to say things like, I can't bring people back from the dead. I can't make people hmm. fall in love with you. Hmm. It's like, oh, hide the genie from Aladdin. But I guess, <laughs> you know, if there's ever a genie, that's the what they're going to say, right? Because <laughs> that's what genies do. So yep. uh, I can't blame him too much for that. But I thought it was enjoyable, especially if you have kids. Uh, I'd recommend checking out Wish Dragon, and that's on Netflix. Okay. Uh, for me, so after going through all of the uh, Dragon Tattoo books, uh, the original trilogy again, um, I talked about how I had watched the American version and I really liked the American version. Uh, but I was desiring to go back through the Swedish trilogy and I couldn't find it anywhere. So I finally just broke down and purchased it but- and purchased the extended editions because they were originally, the extended editions were really two parts for each mm. movie. Uh, as they aired, they were aired in one part one and part two. And so they just, it's interesting. The They smash them together, but they still keep the credits that ended one section and the, the titles huh. that, that start the second section. So it, it's interesting how that, how that, how that works on the, the version that I purchased. Um, but what I was surprised about most was how much, uh, the girl in the dragon tattoo deviated the Swedish version deviated from the books significantly more than I even remembered um, to the point where I'm like, what the heck were you doing? Hmm. Um, the second one, it held up, it held up a little closer. Uh, what I enjoy about the trilogy is they went ahead and made all three of them. Unlike the American version where it's like, Hey, we made the first one. And they're like, ah, no, well, we won't do the other two. Yeah. And we'll wait a few years and skip ahead to book number four and then do a terrible job of that. Um, so it was nice actually getting to see the, the rest of the story play out. Um, it's fascinating that uh, um, I've, I've recently watched, uh, I started, I watched, I've been going through the Mission Impossible movies and I, I just started Prometheus and Mission, the, a ghost protocol has my, has uh, the main actor who plays um, in in the Swedish version, uh, Michael Nyquist, hmm. uh, is plays the role of um, oh yeah plays the main role in in the movie, and then Numi Rapace uh, or Rapace, I don't, I don't know how to pronounce her name, but uh, <laughs> she is the main character in Prometheus. So it was interesting that after this trilogy, both of them ended up breaking out into American cinema and uh, having, uh, and Numi Rapace has done a number of movies in American cinema, and she does well. She's a good actress. And I think she was, stylistically, she was a very good choice for uh, Elizabeth Salander. I think I probably still prefer Rooney Mara, but they both did quite well. So that's that. I went back through Tenet again uh, because I have to, and it's <laughs> fun. 
there's just so many, there's so many incredibly cool special features. This is one of the reasons why you need to own the movie uh, about the making of it. And it, it's fascinating because everyone, everyone is always like, okay, that's a complex story. But to see the levels of complexity that they actually had to go through to make the movie and to keep the story straight in their own heads. I mean, you have Christopher Nolan saying, almost every time I thought I had it figured out as to how this would play out, when we actually sit da- sat down and went through the rules and figured out what it would look like, it was completely different. Hmm. It was just not instinctive. Or, or there's a scene where he's, he's talking to the stunt coordinator about how they're going to film the fight scenes where one guy is in reverse is going backward in time while one guy is going forward in time. And it was something along the lines of, well, tell your actors, film it going forward, record it, have them play it backwards and then have the actors go back and act it out going backwards and then play that forwards again and then run that backwards. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's crazy or uh or them talking about how much they relied on the like the computer models to say who was where at what what time so that they knew how to film particular scenes so really cool stuff on the on that and uh and i've watched uh the prisoner of azkaban harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban which is is one of my favorites of the harry potters mm-hmm. so great movie all right, Rob, I didn't put this in the outline, but uh, let's see if we can brainstorm a recommendation to close out the show. So what would be a recommendation, any recommendation at all? Give us something to watch. Uh, I've probably said this before, but I just got the book out of the library because I'm going to read it. Um, so getting the book makes me want to watch the movie again, but uh, Cloud Atlas mm. uh, with Tom Hanks, Halle Berry, uh, Jim Broadbent, um, et cetera, a whole bunch of people, Hugo Weaving, uh, Hugh Grant. It's just like the book is insane. I've read the book before, so I'm looking forward to reading it again and seeing how they filmed it is really something else because there's like eight different storylines. You've got people playing multiple people to the point where at the end of the movie, when they show some of the people, I, I remember being like, wait that was them (laughs) they just do a really good job of blending some people in uh makeup just the storyline um i think it does it does a good service to the book as well so i'm excited to read through the book again too yeah i don't i don't know if the movie had quite the payoff they were going for but what it did do is it did really carry an emotional weight the whole way through the movie yeah and through the, the, the various storylines, I think I think it did fantastic at keeping the emotional weight high through the through the through the varied storylines and keeping the level of intrigue up, I think, too. Yeah. All right. For me, I'm going to go with uh, a movie that uh, is on HBO Max. No Sudden Move that just came out this year. And this uh, stars Benicio Del Toro. Uh, I believe Don Cheadle is in it as well. And it's a guy recently released from prison, uh, descends into a tangled underbelly of rapidly changing 1950s Detroit. So I have not seen this. This seems intriguing to me. It's on my watch list for HBO Max. So I'm hoping to check that out this week. And so that's my recommendation for you. Sounds good. 
All right. Well, that is the show. Uh, thank you for tuning in to Film for Fans. Make sure you check out our website where we have articles, reviews, and other content, including uh, the recent uh, Cars episode or Cars article where we talk about my favorite movie cars. Uh, also, make sure you tell your friends about the podcast and rate and subscribe for us. Until next time, enjoy the movies.